I'm Nicolette, and today Brian and I are here with Kimberly Faith. She is an author, a futurist, and a systems thinking expert, and she is here to talk to us today about leadership and women and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So Kimberly, uh, first of all, can you please tell everybody a little bit about yourself and, and kind of that journey to assisting leaders? Um, you know, I, I know that coaching and training was, was one of the first things you started off with. Um, it actually was, you know, who, who knows what they're going to be doing right when they graduate from college and sometime life just takes you on a direction. I actually had no intention of going into training and consulting. I started with a small chamber of commerce in South Carolina and I actually, that launched me into this whole systems thinking arena and I was recruited by a consulting firm. And since then I've probably, I've had the privilege to train over 30,000 leaders from hundreds of companies like Amazon, GE, Microsoft, and I've worked with people from 33 countries, spanning 24 industries. So I've been around for a while. Um, really, really exciting, exciting time. Can, can you clarify, so systems thinking, what is systems thinking? I know, I know, because it's such a crazy word, right? Um, so for anyone who might remember back in the 90s, Dr. Peter Singe uh, had a big hit book called The Fifth Discipline. And it was about how do you look at the big picture and look at the little details at the same time? I call it being able to see the forest for the trees or even be able to go to the base of the mountain and go to the mountaintop all at the same time. Um, Nicolette. So Nicolette, first of all, I love your name. I was telling her that. That's just a fabulous name coming from someone named Kim. I mean, Nicolette is just like, just like, just fabulous off of the, off of your lips. Love that. Brian, I love you too, but Nicolette, I got to tell you. Yeah. She's yeah. yeah. My name's sort of like Kimberly. It's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> common. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty basic. That's okay, but I'll take it. It's, that's all I got. So. Well, what's so fun about this particular discipline is that it helps you have a better understanding of what's really happening. Many times we have kind of blinders on and we only see what's right in front of us and we don't have a bigger understanding and it can be quite insightful when you do. So over the course of your time working with um, working with professionals, what did you find were some of their key struggles? You know, what were they really um, struggling with? Number one is confidence. So surprisingly, you know, we all think we have confidence, but there's a certain point where we hit a level and we can't figure out exactly why. And this was something that was so intriguing because as I was working in all these industries, I met incredibly talented people. So why did they have a confidence issue that bubbled up? You know, why was that? And that's really been something that I've, I dove deep into my entire career. And interestingly, I found out that both men and women um, were taught to play small. So what would you say to people who are struggling with confidence? I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people struggling with this. I'm sure I struggle with this and Brian struggles with this. I'm sure you struggle with this. So what, what is your advice for those people? Well, first, I think um, we need to be sure that we, we pause long enough to actually acknowledge that because uh, I don't know, Brian, maybe you have something to comment on this, but the reality is, is that we actually many times don't even acknowledge it because Nicolette, we learn how to kind of fake our way through life, right? We do the job, we, we step up, um, we move into that next position and we have some confidence, but we always know, I find most people know that there's another level available to us. Does that resonate? Mm -hmm. do yeah. Do you think people, as they as they sort of move up the chain, have you have you seen like they get almost like less confidence because the more at risk, is it is it harder to to have that confidence in what you're doing? 
It is, but I think it's more than that, Brian. What I have found is that there's this expectation that someone else has the answer. So what's really interesting is that we actually go through life being trained that the doctor has the answer, the minister or the priest has the answer, um, the elder in the family has the answer. And so we spend much of our life looking outside of ourselves for the answer. And what's really intriguing is that, yes, as we advance, we certainly um, find we're more risky, but sometimes we're still looking for somebody else to have the answer when all of a sudden we are them. Mm -hmm. We have arrived and we are the ones that everybody else is looking toward. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like when I became a parent and I went, oh crap, <laughs> no, no, now you want me to give you the answer? <laughs> right, now what, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so, it's so, uh, you know, and I guess it's it's either I don't know if it's how you're raised or it's it's how you are as a person because I'm always like one of those people like if I can't like if there's not like I'll create an answer like I have you know I have no problems like stepping up and figuring it out right like going sure. through doing the due diligence figuring out what the answer is because I I mean I love when there is like business problems that come your way to, you know, what's the solution for that? You know, what do we need to do to, you know, cause, but I also like data. So, you know, I like a lot of science behind everything. Well, but Brian, you honestly, you just tapped into something that's a big difference between men and women. Um, you know, the studies show that men will apply for a job if they have only 60% of the qualities, the qualifications and men will, women will wait until they have 90% or more. Um, because Brian, you tapped into it right there, is that you always have, you're actually brought up to believe that you'll be able to uh, discover this and achieve it at any point. And Nicolette, what we're often taught and um, have, have come to believe is that we need to be sure that we can do it so we don't fail. And there's a difference there and it shows up in the numbers. I, I have to say, I feel very, very blessed because, um, and Brian, you reminded me of this figure it out because um, that's actually a big, it's, it's a, I was actually going to tattoo that on my body at one point because um, my, my father used to tell me, um, you know, he would tell me, go figure it out. You know, at, at some yeah. point he got tired of carrying me because I was always dad, I need help, dad, dad, dad. And there were things that I should have been doing at a certain age, you know, age appropriate things. And he told me, go figure it out, you know? And, and I think what really built that confidence was the first time I figured it out on my own, I went, oh, okay, I guess I can figure it out, you know? And so the next time, of course, I went back to dad and he, again, he was like, figure it out. And I was like, all right, I guess I figured it out before I could figure it out this time. And, right. you know, that's kind of um, my, my perspective on life now. Whatever it is, I'll figure it out. You know, I don't know the answer yet, but I'll figure it out when I get there, you know? Um, and, and that's a really powerful point, Nicolette, because what we're watching now, I'm a big believer in parental leadership. Um, mm -hmm. So when it comes to the words leadership, many people tend to think it's only the people who have the titles. I believe that we can have leadership of self. Um, I believe we provide parental leadership. What's happened to us, though, is that we've actually, um, I've watched this over time. My kids are grown now, but I've watched where we have less of that, Nicolette, where we have fewer people saying kids figure it out. Look how often we even something go something as simple as Google. We're still looking for somebody else to have the answer. Google is a is one of many answers, but it's not the only answer. You see where I'm going? And yeah. so I love that that opinion of understanding that we can we can figure this out. And what might be needed at this time of day, um, especially in the days that we're living in, is something that does not yet exist. It may not be there yet. Does that does that make sense to you both? Yeah, no, no, it does. And I, I think that's really important because I, um, I, you know, I was there at the birth of the internet. Do you all, I mean, you both are very young. So do you all remember life before the internet? 
I, I do. <laughs> I still don't like the internet. Technologically yeah. challenged. So. I, I actually have to sometimes make videos for Nicolette for technology sometimes, but I do tell okay. her to figure it out though. Because yeah, exactly. Nicolette and I have been working with each other for a long time and so many times, you know, we've gone like, okay, here's what the project is. And, and both of us are very much in that mindset of, we like challenges and we, and we like yes. figuring out and, and, you know, and it's interesting too, you, you, you mentioned that like that parental leadership and, you know, I try to do that. I have three daughters, you know, I try to do that ah. with, with all of them, right? Like trying to really make sure they understand and they're capable of, of really solving problems, you know, not giving answers. Like I, you know, I believe children need to work through this. How important is it when you're working with people that you have like the correct mentors who help you figure out things to grow in your, in your learning, mm -hmm. you know, in your business. I think mentors can serve two purposes. I think they certainly can help us navigate the politics as it is and help us navigate the organization. I think it is helpful to have them give us insight on their experience. But even then, Brian, um, I think there comes a time where we begin to say, well, how could things be different? Mm -hmm. Because what's happened is that we keep regurgitating a lot of practices from the past. And that's under the assumption that those things will still work. Um, I think we all realize right now that we're in new territory. There, there is no rule book for where we are today. You know, my daughter just moved away for her very first job, full-time job in January, literally just moved six hours away, started as a civil engineer. She calls me as this whole global pandemic is unfolding and says, well, what do I do? What do I do? And, and I was like, um, hon, there, there's not a playbook for this. Yeah. <laughs> You know, all of these things. And so, Brian, yes, mentors can help us. But uh, as long as you always keep space in your cup is what I call it. Um, I, I, you know, I think about a cup of, of who's filling up your cup. Um, keep space for your own because Absolutely. I really do think all of us are being given inspiration to forge a new path. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, at least my, my belief is I, I, I think you need to, you, you, whatever you, you take the good out of that, what's being taught, you take the good out of that. And yes. it's your job to build onto it, to move yes. to the next. And, and you know what I will say, so, so Brian was started as he was my boss and Brian used to, he had this figure it out mentality, just like my dad. Right. And he would um, come up with the end goal. Like it needs to do. <laughs> and then he would put it there and go, okay, basically figure it out. And, you know, and however we got there was how we got there, you know, and it didn't really matter. It was kind of unique to what, how we got there. It was, it was unique to us. And it was really, um, you know, I think that um, ability to have your own yes. perspective and, and mind, but within a little bit of a safety, a safe place was um, sure. so important, you know, which, which leads me actually to um, thinking about women, because I know you focus a lot on women and I'm very fortunate that I've, I, I have never felt um, any different as a woman than other than a man. I, I just don't, you know, perhaps that was how I was raised. Maybe I was fortunate enough to work with wonderful people. I don't know what, what that is, but I've never felt any different. Um, and I actually, I, I, I know the internet's going to hate me, but those women's days, those international women's days, I feel very, um, like I'm equal. So I don't need to, I don't need to celebrate myself, you know, on a, on one day. I celebrate myself every day. You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm a woman every day and I'm okay with that, you know, and that's great. So, you know, but where did the inspiration for you come from to really focus on, on women? So I've worked both with men and women. So I, please understand that I, I have a deep <laughs> reverence actually for both. 
So I wrote my first book here for women, but now I've got another one coming for guys, Brian. So I love you okay. all too. I, I um, definitely send me a copy. I will read it. I will definitely. All right, deal. <laughs> um, you know what was funny is that I actually remarried five years ago and I must've really loved him. I, I uh, married my Italian husband and his 99 year old mother-in-law moved in with us. So I lived with a centenarian for two solid years, okay? Italian mother-in-law. Um, I had firsthand experience, you know, not many people have had that experience. I saw firsthand where the clash of the past was with the present, and I literally felt like I was in the twilight zone. Mm -hmm. So I would go and I'd be coaching women and working through some of those things and some of those belief systems. That was actually why I ended up writing the book, You're Lying Inside. And I'd come home and have a conversation with my Italian mother-in-law, who first of all, couldn't believe people were actually paying me to come and them. Okay, that was big. She says, they really, they pay you? You talk to how many people? Um, do they all listen to you? You know, it was, she couldn't conceive of it. I mean, it's that foreign. Yeah. But I found out, Nicolette, that um, I love your opinion, but we still had some residue from the past. And it was so subconscious that we, we almost had forgotten. Um, we didn't even realize that some of it was bubbling up. So I simply brought it to awareness so that we could say, okay, we see it, we're done, let's move on. Because I think there's a lot that we all can do together moving forward. I tell lots of stories about her though. I do hope my son will let me come move in with him. My, his, his <laughs> <laughs> my daughter-in-law doesn't mind her old Italian mother-in-law, but I am. <laughs> it, was not e it was not an easy feat. You know, I didn't know I was marrying St. Peter. Um, her only son, St. Peter. So little did I know. And every once in a while, when we would have those spirited conversations, I would look at him and I would say, I must really, really love you. <laughs> You're like, I need to go for a walk, I think. <laughs> that happened on more than a few occasions, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not sure that was the gift that came out of it all, is I'm not sure I would have actually recognized some of these things if it had not been for this stark spark difference because I figured out that some of these things that happened in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, they're still hanging out today. Um, and we tend to think that it's, it's not around anymore and it is in mm -hmm. subtle ways. You know, I, th I think you bring up a good point. You know, uh, like I know, uh, you know, I've always said to anyone I've ever worked with, like you can learn something from everyone, you know, yes. you can learn something from everyone. And you, but you have to have that open mind to do that. And, you know, it's nice seeing that you learned, you learned something and, you know, it inspired something from your 99 year old mother-in-law, you know, and that's just a real great example of how you could learn from anyone. I think You can. And Brian, you know, we are, well, all three of us are positive people. So even when in the most challenging times, the way I got through it was, okay, how do I serve her? And how do I bring something good out of this? And then any other time I took a walk. <laughs> Well, you had to process it. You know? I did. I did. My uh, my great grandmother just passed away. Uh, she is one of those Italian uh, old Italian ladies. She passed away at 104 in January, and mine uh, was 104 and passed in April. They, 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 just, they were made of something different. They were. So, so, you know, but I can see as I'm listening to to what you're talking about that residue. You know, um, I can see how her perception of what. I should be doing what, um, you know, I'm not, I'm, I, I call him my husband, we're not married, right? So that was a whole other thing. And, you know, so what my husband was doing and how he should be working. And, you know, um, it, she, she had to work. She had to work because, you know, she couldn't, they, they couldn't afford not to. So she worked two jobs, but 
the perception of what a woman should be doing was still there, you know, and, um, you know, you should be home with your children and, you know, he should be working. And why isn't he working when he takes a vacation day? She doesn't understand why people take vacation days. You know, it was a very different, um, it was a very different mentality. So for her, for me, working from home was inconceivable. She's, you know, she's like, why are you home? You know, I could stop by and help her if I needed to why aren't you working? You know, it was just a very, um, a very different, very different. You're right. And so she was born in the same year that my mother-in-law was born, 1916, four years before women had the right to vote. So this August, we're actually celebrating in the U.S. the 100th anniversary for women's right to vote. Now, it's going to probably be very easy to lose sight of that in, in light of all that's going on, but that's an important milestone um, because, you know, a lot of those women from way back then, Nicolette, you're exactly right, is, is fundamentally different. I mean, when we all moved in together, we had four generations in the same household. Um, so my daughter, that was a teenager, we could have been our own reality show. My Italian mother-in-law could not, cons- she was like, why is, why is her daughter, she was asking my husband, why is her daughter going in the, gr- going in the refrigerator like she, like she can get whatever food she wants? And Peter was like, um, because Kim pays half the bills. <laughs> and, and, you know, and my mother-in-law was like, well, there's no way. There's no way that she could pay half the bills because in her mind, there's no way a woman could have been equal like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just really an interesting dichotomy. And so what lesson that comes out of this for somebody who doesn't have this experience? What happened in the early 1900s is still affecting us, whether it was policies that were created, whether it's how medicine developed in this country, um, whether it's the way some things that were involved with policies. And it's important for us to at least take a look at it and unravel it so we don't just keep going in the way it's always been done. I want to ask a question that's going to sound a little negative and, and kind of yucky, but I, I'm thinking about there are some women I know perhaps in my family, older women, and they, um, they have this very um, traditional perspective, but with a women's empowerment spin. So they want men to do all those things that gentlemen should do. But at the same time, I'm a woman, I'm, I'm, I'm women's empowerment, women's rights, and it kind of clashes. Um, do you ever see like, like, this mixture, like you still want the man to open the door for you, but yet you also want to control, I hate to say that, control, you know what I mean? Control him and have this power. Like, are women confused? Are we, are we kind of like hearing all these messages that we don't know what's going on? You know, really interesting. You should bring that up. So um, I, I'm a data geek. So Ryan, Brian, I, I resonate with that. So I make lots of timelines. What's interesting, Nicolette, is there was a lot of confusion when the women's movement happened in the 1960s and 70s. It was a very difficult time for the country. Um, and so we heard from the Gloria Steinem's. We had the book, The Feminine Mystique. There was a lot of clashes of different kinds of ideas then. And what you're seeing is still a residue of some of that. Mm-hmm. What we did, Nicolette, is we actually we shifted some things outside of ourselves. Um, we changed the pay rates. We had the, the, you know, the Equal Pay Act. We had Title IX. But what we didn't shift were some of those internal beliefs and aligning those. Right, right, right. And that's what I think is so important here at the 100th anniversary is that, okay, folks, we did the external stuff, but now it's a matter of the internal stuff um, because we can't look outside of ourselves for the answer anymore. Mm-hmm. So you, you spoke about timelines. Is, is there... Is there um, and, and this is with anything, not just, you know, what we're talking about. Is there like 
this timeline of any sort of transition in thought or progress like that needs to happen naturally or not naturally, but like you almost, you know, I guess, I don't know, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to ask, but is there like a natural timeline for people's thoughts to start shifting to meet the external? Kind of? Yeah, to meet the external, right? Because you're raised, you may be raised, you know, if someone was raised by your 99 year old um, mother-in-law, they may have this thought, but then they're seeing society and it takes time for them for you to shift that to the next generation or the next group or, or sure. whatever it is. So is there a natural progression that happens in these? So um, but long before this happened, um, in 2016 and 17, I published uh, a timeline. You can find it at epicenterofchange.com. And I found out that there was a point, Brian, that I knew we were coming to an inflection point of that we were going to need to make a decision, that we had this tolerance of disrespect that had actually been happening since the early 1900s. And then we had had this rise of an expectation of respect. And we've now come to the point where these two are crossing. So do we have this point that we're going to need to make decisions? Absolutely. But I don't believe we can do that without taking the time and actually look back to see what really happened. So let me give you an example. When you do the research around the women's movement, did, um, do you recognize the name Gloria Steinem? Mm -hmm. Okay, she, was a she wrote lots of articles, a fundamental influence on the way we perceive the women's movement. Do you know that she was also a CIA agent? And that, that was part of something called Operation Mockingbird. So look it up. And so as I'm looking through all of this, it's really important that we actually all kind of go back and say, okay, so what worked, what didn't? Where were we confused, Nicolette? Um, where were we influenced that we didn't know we were being influenced? Mm -hmm. See, 10 years ago, I reached a point in my life where I lost everything. Um, it was from a previous business. I lost my marriage. I lost my company very difficult time. Um, I was bankrupt both personally and professionally. And when you reach that low point, um, you reevaluate everything. I mean, I had nowhere to go but up. And what I found is, you know, I keep referring to like this cup. I went through every belief system that I had in my head and I literally took it out of my head. Where did this one come from? Where did this one come from? Where did this one come from? And I found out that 80% of what I was saying, doing, and thinking came from someone else. And I set out on a journey to figure out which ones I wanted to keep and which ones I didn't. I just have to say that is so, that is so awesome. <laughs> that really is so cool. I, I, I never really thought about, you know, I, I've questioned very much like, okay, you know, that's something I was taught, you know, put it away because that was wrong. Do you know what I mean? Or whatever the case is. But, you know, I never thought about taking everything and pouring it out. That's uh, you know, that's actually really, really cool. I may have to do that. You know, what I, <laughs> I would encourage that. And, and don't like let it be a life situation like mine that does it. If we can, yeah, we can no. make it much less painful to do it on our own time. Kimberly, I've had already had enough life situations. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I am with you. But I think that having diversity of people around, the diversity in people around you also help to question some of those beliefs. Because if you're always around and I know people who are always around the same people their entire life. You know, they're yes. in their 40s, they're in their 50s. There's no one there to challenge those beliefs. But if you're, if you start incorporating other people and step outside of that comfort zone, you know, I, I have people question, why do you do that? Why do you believe that you have to, I don't know, show up for every family event every single time an yes. hour early? You know, why do you believe that? You know, and that's because that's how I was raised. What do you mean? That's what we do, you know, but why, you know, 
I could just show up on time or, you know, I, I could do that, you know? Um, but if you're not kind of around new people who question yeah. that, you're going to be stuck in that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so in the question, we it begs the question that as we create our, you know, the world from this point forward, um, which conscious choices are we making that this is the kind of world we want to create and what are we going to let go? Right. Um, and there's a lot of healing, I think, that needs to happen there. You know, I encourage people to really, when they show up, to almost say this to themselves, I am in the room to heal the room. Mm -hmm. and I believe that we each have the ability to be able to do that on a number of levels. And, um, and that's what I think right now is an exciting time to be, despite the chaos that appears mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, I think there's really an exciting, exciting time getting ready to happen for us all. So yeah. how does this tie into the glass ceiling that you, I'm sorry, Brian. I, I, wait, before you go on to the glassing, I, I have a question. So, so because now you got this stuck in my mind about deconstructing and reconstructing, right? So I think what Socrates said, like something to the extent of like build on the knowledge of others, right? So, you know, and that's not the quote, um, whatever the correct quote is, is the correct quote, but that was the concept. So basically you're saying, okay, look at that knowledge, take out the, the stuff that's rotten or bad or the bricks or the foundation that's been, that's deteriorated, put some new stuff in there that's your own and then yes. build on top of that completely. Bingo, bingo, because, Beautiful. because that is take a look at what's happening even in academia, Brian. So this is what I started to notice is that there was this uniformity of thought that was spreading like a, like a, like a virus, no pun intended, um, but the fact that Everything in academia teaches us to do nothing but footnote everybody else that's been talking in the past. Mm -hmm. Where are we creating original thought that does not yet exist? And, and that, um, I remember going to a George Washington poem um, and, and actually hearing the story where he had a painting all over the ballroom of the, of the America that he actually envisioned. Mm -hmm. And he had paintings because he knew that people couldn't see it yet. And so every time somebody showed up in his location, he actually would say, this is what we could be. This is what we see. This is what we're working towards. And it really just cemented for me the power of a vision. So I'm with you, Brian. Awesome. But did you ever notice that if you don't incorporate those people who came before you, you almost don't have any credibility. Like, who am I? I'm just some anyone off the street. Why are you going to listen to my idea? So if I have nothing to back that up, how do I gain that credibility. Well, and therein lies how we were taught to think small. Okay, so in my business, I'll give you a personal example. In my business, um, I'm, I was under a lot of pressure for a long time. You have to get your master's, you have to get your PhD. Um, all these letters behind your name is what gives you credibility. Well, that wasn't something that was afforded in my life. And so I was beating myself up about that a few years back and I sat down and I, I counted up the number of hours it took to receive a PhD. And then I counted up the number of hours that I've invested in my craft of systems thinking where I am. And I figured out I had two PhDs at least. The fact that it was not given to me by a university that someone else deemed worthy was irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I claimed that power, Nicolette. That's the shift. It's on which syllable are we going to place the emphasis? A tiny, mm -hmm. tiny difference, but it's all the difference. I like that. I, I love that. <laughs> Sorry. That's great. It actually, it, you know, it's really, it's interesting you bring up university because I think even ideas about, I know I'm going somewhere else right now, ideas about, um, you know, people thought you had to go to college. Well, it first started, I think, before the whole college. My, my understanding is that people didn't go to college that much, right? And they had... Um, right that wasn't afforded. And then there was this shift where everybody needed a degree in order to be anything, you know, um, mm -hmm. deemed 
credible and and to have some sort of career but now what i'm noticing is more and more people and in that diversity that i'm talking about talking with people that you don't normally get to talk to and you know even discussions like this i'm really saying people don't really need to go to college anymore because there's what's the what is the benefit other than unless you're in a trade unless you're in a specific trade where you need that training why are we going? <laughs> well, think think back to the belief system, though, that was under it. See, back when we were pushing education, we had very little exposure outside of our little town, our little state. And so going to college, going to school, you learn things, yes, but it was as much about exposure, different lines of thought that you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. And so that was a really, that was a broadening of perspective, an important one. But over the years, when you map out the way academia has happened in the past 100 years, um, it lost its way because all of a sudden the workplace started to say, well, a college degree was an indicator of your ability to work. Well, I've got to tell you, um, when I look, I mean, I can't tell you how many Ivy League graduates I have had to coach off the ledge of their own self-importance. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about that. Mm -hmm. And so I've really begun to question of saying, if we go to college, Nicolette, and our intention is because we deeply want to get better at what we do, that we deeply want to, to learn everything that's happened so that we're going for the learning of it, then that is beautiful and powerful. If we're going to get the credibility, we lost our way. Mm -hmm. On which the label are we going to place the emphasis? And I think that's a, a real issue right now. Um, I, I, I could go on for a whole hour for that, but I won't. <laughs> no, I've seen a serious shift in myself. Um, when my son was born five, just five years ago, we started a college fund and I said, that's it. My son is going to college. He's going to college. He's going to college. Mm -hmm. And over the past five years, I started to look at folks with pensions and who, who has the pensions? You have people in the, in, in unions, maybe people who are working with their hands and doing some dirty work that, you know, we don't want to do. And I said, he's got to be a professional. He's got to be a professional. Why? Because who's, you know, he, he'll have a wonderful pension. He'll have wonderful medical benefits that a lot, I mean, that a lot of people don't have, you know, um, what, why am I, unless he wants to go to school and do that, that's great. But if not, I think he can be a wonderfully successful, but it, there's no more, um, you have to go to college in my mind. And that's changed by talking to people like yourself and, and opening my mind to the benefit of other options. And please understand there's a difference. So we don't have all the uh, people in education be mad. There is a difference between <laughs> institutions of higher learning that are really tapped into that calling to be able to help us reach our full potential and academia. Mm -hmm. A world of difference. They're mm -hmm. not even the same thing. And, and we can actually see that show up um, depending on where we are. Yeah. And, and I think part of, I mean, like, uh, you know, growing up, I remember, I, this is what my dad said to me, like, you know, going to school, I'm not really going to learn anything I couldn't learn on my own. But the reality is I'm going to learn a few different types of ways to think than I already am thinking, you know, so I'd be exposed to other thought processes, you know. That's like, that's what Kim was talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what was so, um, I, this was a startling example. So I was working with an economic development group and people were coming to make presentations. And we were there as part of a panel of judges to, to you know, score them so they can receive their certification. And a young woman walked in and she gave a presentation and it did not sit well with the entire board. And what I realized is she had just finished her master's and she spent more time telling us how she was thinking about the results versus sharing us the results. And I said to the group, I said, this is a direct 
example of what's happening with our education system. Please do not fault her because she has just been rewarded for two years of simply telling us the why without telling us the results. Mm -hmm. and, and it was startling to me. And I said, whoa, we've got, hello, we've got, a, we've got an issue we've got to really work on. Yeah. Um, and that goes back to that original thought. So now I have a question of Nicolette, I know. Now I'm going to ask about glass ceilings. I don't remember where I was going with this, but I, I don't think I don't think Nicolette warned you. I'll derail pretty much any kind. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. We went off all kinds of things. Y'all were so much no fun. Interest. Glass ceilings. Uh, there was something yes. I wanted to talk. You about. were asking me about why did I say that the glass ceiling is a mirror? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, the reason is, is because what the media has taught us and some of the data has shown us that there's this glass ceiling. Um, and I get that. I'm not denying any of that. But what I found is that I'm a big believer in hope. And hope for me stands for harness our power every day. And as long as we were looking externally saying, oh, there is a glass ceiling, there is a glass ceiling, there is a glass ceiling. When I was able to shift the women that I was coaching to say, well, where can we shift what's going on here? What's in here? And that fundamental shift, I saw women increasing their salaries by 33%, 51%, 66%. And so the shifts came in here, not out there. And, and do we need to run that track of having those things fixed from the system? Yes. And there's time for us to take a look in the mirror and say, what's in our way? Mm -hmm. I, I, and I, I think that goes back to what you were talking about. You know, now we've done this work on the external, but you know, I'm just going to use any example, you know, okay, maybe the company sees men and women as equal, but are you willing to ask for that higher salary? Do you have the confidence in yourself to, to say that you deserve a raise? It might be. Well, and, and have you kept up like, so for example, a lot of women, um, we're not trained to really talk in a lot of numbers. So when we go in to ask for that raise, we tend to be a little bit softer in our language. And so a way to kind of balance that masculine and feminine is I encourage careers, young career people, especially, Keep track with all of your impact numbers is what I call them. How many projects have you worked on? How many industries have you touched? How many hours have you invested in this? Um, get how many, you know, employees. Um, find out whatever your impact numbers are. So when you go in, it's not a soft, oh, I'm really valuable. I've worked really hard. It is, um, I've done this, this, and this. And you put it right there, bam. Just like what I said at the beginning. I've had the privilege to coach 30,000 leaders from 33 countries spanning 24 industries. Not, I've been around for a while. You see the difference? <laughs> yeah, you can't argue with the math. It's, it's numbers, you know, it's it 30,000 people. That's a lot of people, right? You know, it's, <laughs> I mean, so, you know, when I walk into audiences, especially when I was younger and I was in a, a lot of primarily male audiences, there's always this bubble above everybody's head. Like, oh yeah, what she got. Mm -hmm, let's see. You know, I, I walk in and I'm a woman, strike one. I have short, spiky hair, strike two. And the minute I say hello and there is a hint of a southern accent, I've just gone down in flames. <laughs> I have very little time to recover. And, and that's our ability to be able to own and articulate that value very quickly. And not in a braggadocio way. So I'm not saying I've done all this. I say it's been my privilege to. See the difference? We can still be our authentic self and, and our humble self in a way that wants to serve for the greater good and claim the value we bring. That's why we're all different. And, and so anyway, um, that's a big hot spot for me. I've been uh, coaching people on that subject for many years. So I am going to end with this final question. Um, yes. We are practical people. We like to leave everybody with some sort of tangible action. And what would you say um, 
we can do today to kind of start to change this for ourselves? Sure, sure. So the step one is I'd like to encourage everybody go to YouTube and I want you to, to look up the video. It's called um, a little film about a big idea and it's called systems thinking. It's a short 11 minute film. It gives you an idea of how we end up with the assumptions that we do. So first, increase your awareness about how do we believe what we do. The next one is to be extra aware of your language. What I have found is that language is a barometer for the, for the, the story that we're telling ourselves inside. Whenever I hear words like I must, I can't, I should, I have to, I hear very definitive words, I know there's a story behind it. And we've been saying it so long that we don't even know it. Um, and so like, for example, if I say, well, you know, I really should go do this and this, should is an expectation that someone else gave us. That's a powerless place to live our life. We can say, um, I, I want to go do this. I choose to go do this. You see the difference? Mm -hmm. But when you listen to people and you listen to yourself, see where those powerless words are showing up. The one that I want to bring your awareness to the most is the word just. Anytime the word just comes up, there is a mile long explanation behind it. Oh, I'm just doing this. Oh, I just said this. Oh, it's just this. And I'm like, whoa, there's a deep story behind that. So um, anyway, and then the last step that I, that I would suggest to you is, is to have an honest conversation with yourself about, are you aligned in what you're talking to yourself inside and what you're saying on the outside? Um, we are coming from an era that we were taught to be one person at home and one person at work. That was exhausting. It was like two different people living in the same body. And we've done a better job about that now, but we still have a ways to go with that. Find a place where you can have an alignment of that internal story and that external story so that you can show up within your full power. And that's where we really begin to make a difference. Um, we're living in a time that we can't live a divided life anymore. Um, life is demanding other things from us. Are those practical enough? I think so. Totally. Well, Kim, can you please tell everybody where they can learn more about you and your book and your upcoming book? And, and just tell us where we can find out more about you, please. Sure. So I'd encourage people to find me first on LinkedIn. You'll see a lot of the things that I do on LinkedIn, Kimberly Faith. And then I have my website, KimberlyFaith.com. And you can check out Your Lion Inside. Um, it's black and gold cover um, because the basic premise is why are we acting small like a cat when we have the strength of a lion inside? So um, I'm not ready to announce the title of the next book, but uh, stay tuned because it'll be an important one coming up by the, by the early next year. Thank you so much, Kim. Yeah, Kim, really, you gave us, Kim, you gave us a lot to think about. A lot is going on in my head right now. <laughs> So well, thank, listen, I, I want to question everything about his entire life. I know. Oh, like, man, I'm going to be constructing everything this weekend, you know? <laughs> well, I want to thank both of you. Um, I just, I think you both are a very bright light in the world. I appreciate what you're doing. And it inspired me even before I came on to the, to the interview. And so thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. The world needs it. Thank you. You too. You too, Kim.